All right, y'all. Part three coming up in just one second here on the Chase Most Podcast presented by Blue Wire Pods. Uh, Chad Bishop comes on to wrap things up here uh, to talk all things Vanderbilt football. Uh, if you missed part two and part one on today's edition of the program, guess what? If you are a Apple Podcast or Spotify or YouTube or wherever you get your podcast subscriber, uh, all the episodes right there. You can get alerted uh, when all new episodes go up uh, each and every day. This is a daily sports show with uh, new sports content and new sports pods popping up on this feed each and every day. Uh, so make sure you're locked in, subscribed, and all that good stuff so that you don't miss an episode. Uh, but yeah, part three, wrapping up here on a Thursday to talk about the quarterback room, Mike Wright being named uh, uh, QB1 uh, for Vanderbilt. We talked about some impact players uh, that folks may not be aware of, Jaden McAllen. Um, we talked about whether or not uh, the true freshman might get some some work this fall in A.J. Swan, uh, Seals' future uh, in, at Vanderbilt. Uh, Clark Lee's uh, just what he's building uh, in Nashville and whether or not it can uh, where, where it's going and we'll see uh, it's a work in progress and uh, it's uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see so we talked a lot of Vanderbilt and it was a lot of fun uh, even with a Brookwood grad even with a Brookwood grad uh, maybe in a part of you guys small world small world indeed but a lot of fun being able to talk with Chad all things Vanderbilt football so that's coming up as we wrap up here on a Thursday. YouTube.com slash Chase the Most Podcast. Like and subscribe. Make sure you're locked in on the YouTube page as well. Email the program at Chase Thomas Podcast at gmail.com for any mailbag or questions for me. And then, of course, tweet at me at Chase double underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. Taping this on a Wednesday afternoon. I am now joined by my moral enemy in the state of Georgia and now in Tennessee because Chad Bishop and I are living very interestingly different timelines. But just we we're following the same kind of thing. We grew up in Georgia, Gwinnett County. He goes to Brookwood. I go to Parkview. He goes to Georgia Southern. I go to North Georgia. And then he winds up at Vanderbilt and I wind up at Tennessee because I, I just I don't know what to do with that. We both have names that start with C. I People have thought Chad Chase like it's in the same family. Uh, I, I don't know, Chad. What's going on here? I don't know. You know, it's uh, but I'll tell you, you try to explain that Brookwood Parkview rivalry to some. It's, it's hard for a lot of people to to comprehend. But that's uh, that was a fierce rival, especially when I was growing up in, in the 90s and then into the 2000s. Uh, it's big time. And of course, you know, me working at Vanderbilt now and you being at Tennessee, that's obviously a fierce rivalry as well. Maybe not in, in some sports as it is others. But, uh, you know, I think all across the board, I think both fan bases would say they definitely despise the other. I would say uh, baseball. There's yeah. not uh, not the most uh, harmonious relationship between the two yeah. fan bases. You know, but that's, his, uh, that's only grown recently, right? I mm-hmm. mean, you know, for the past, you know, number of years, Tennessee was, let's be honest, middle of the pack baseball until mm-hmm. Tony Vitello took over and really rose the standard there. And, um, you know, Vanderbilt's been, you know, kind of the top of the baseball food chain for the past, I'd say, you know, 20 years or so. So, um, but then you could, you know, look at basketball for a long time. Vanderbilt was very good at basketball and Tennessee maybe wasn't. Now Tennessee is obviously great at basketball and Vanderbilt's still trying to, to catch back up to that level. So yeah, just right. It ebbs and flows by the decades as comes and goes. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, people 100% do not understand like the 
uh, Parkview, Brookwood dynamic if you didn't grow up, or I mean, really, if you didn't grow up in the state of Georgia, because it's just the the powerhouses yeah. in Georgia. It's just Gwinnett County football back in the day was uh, as as tough and as crazy as you could as you can get. And um, I had Philip Jones on yesterday, the yeah. coach at Brookwood. Um, so I know him pretty well and a lot of those coaches and I still talk to a lot of those coaches all around the state and here in East Tennessee, but um, they don't play Parkview Brookwood on the last game of the season anymore. They bounce around and I've told them, I'm like, just what are we doing? Like, this is one of the one things I ask you to just retain going forward. Like that should be the final game of the season every year. Like that should not be that hard to keep going. Like, why is this game bouncing around? I know it's very similar to the way college football shifted. Yeah. Right? You know, a lot of those traditional rivalries on Thanksgiving weekend, you know, are, are no longer with us. And the, the same is true in, in high school football. But yeah, I could, I could tell some not so suitable uh, stories about being a high school senior at Brookwood and trying to mess with Parkview fans or maybe cruising the Parkview parking lot after school and yelling some unsavory things at Parkview uh, folks. But uh, Whoa. that's a podcast for another day, right? You no, know, I was, I was young and dumb and, uh, voted Miss Spirit or Mister Spirited in high school. So were you really? My Brookwood fandom was at an all time high. Yeah, you can go check the uh, yearbook archives and and see my picture. And there's Mister uh, Mister Bronco. They would call me <laughs> Mister Bronco. Or you just like all decked out in face paint and you're yeah, wearing like because oh, I think yeah. part Brookwood people wore the um they would what was that called glitter? They would put yeah. the the maroon and gold glitter and coat themselves in that. Yeah. Was that you? No, I, I was more of a, uh, I wore a cape, uh, okay. a face mask and face paint. I guess my big claim to fame was at uh, Party City, I found a, um, uh, like a, a spear, like a fake, a plastic spear. Yeah. So whoever we were playing, I would um, impale the opposing team's mascot. So if it was a panther, you'd have a panther at the end of the spear. If it mm-hmm. was, a, you know, Norcross Blue Devil, I'd go find a Blue Devil somewhere and, you know, just you know, be holding that up and shaking it and the stop of the student section, you know, get everybody fired up. So those were the days, man. But if you graduate no one, is your 20 reunion coming up or did it already happen? What's going on there? It is that they moved the 20 year reunion to this fall. Okay. They're doing it on a fall Saturday. So there's no way I can make it. Oh no. I think they're doing it the day of the Vanderbilt wake forest game. If I remember Mm. right, they had a vote and I was like, July, July, July. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they picked September, uh, whatever day that is. So I won't make that one. I missed the ten-year one as well for whatever reason. So, um, but you know, social media these days, we can all keep up with each other. You don't look anything like somebody who graduated. <laughs> like when you said one I was like, I thought we were close in age, and then you were like, no, one I was like, goodness gracious, you do not look anywhere yeah. close to a twenty-year high school reunion. I know, I know. I'll be forty in February, believe it or not. So uh, that's I crazy. Kind of got that baby face, which I got that going for me. Hopefully, hopefully that never goes away. But if I, uh, you know, in the sports writing profession, that can age <laughs> you quickly. <laughs> Uh, you're telling me man um well we're here not to only uh, reminisce about the brookwood part b robbery and just uh high school football in the state of georgia but hey like if you want to go watch great high school football go to the state of georgia we're gonna, always going to pump that up on this program um i've i want to start here with vanderbilt football do you think vandy is in a position to win more games in 2022 than they did in 2021 yeah, I think they are in that position. Um, the, the tough part of that question is, will they? Uh, because mm. I think the schedule is pretty tough. Um, you look at that schedule, uh, they have to go to Northern Illinois, who was in the MAC title game a year ago. Mm. They play Wake Forest at home, which is a very quality ACC opponent. And then you got the rigors of the SEC, right, where you got to play Florida, Georgia, 
They got to go to Alabama, got to play Tennessee and Ole Miss. There's just not a lot of wins on paper, right? There's not a lot of wins on that schedule. So, you know, I, I've said all summer long and all season that I, I believe this Vanderbilt team will be improved. I just don't know if that shows up on the scoreboard, and that's not a knock at Vanderbilt. It's more so a nod to their competition this year because it's it's not a cakewalk of a schedule. There's not a lot of gimmies on there. They play all their non-conference games right off the bat. You know, traditionally those four non-conference games, then they play eight SEC games in a row. Yeah, there's a couple of bye weeks in there, but uh, there, there's no rest for the weary in, in 2022 for the Commodores when it comes to the SEC schedule. So uh, it's just it's just a tough and long road ahead for those guys. It's I don't think it's anything they're backing down from. Uh, do they win more than two? You know, I, I think they got the talent and the base to do it, and and I think they're buying into Clark Lee. But but will they? I don't know because I just think that schedule's a pretty tough, pretty tough road ahead. Yeah, that's not the most favorable. It's like when you look at it and you're doing the previews, you're like Georgia Tech and Vanderbilt. It just you you look at it and you're like, <laughs> I just I don't see where I, I just you could be better. Like Jeff Collins could have a better Georgia Tech this year. Vanderbilt and Clark Lee could be a better team, like you're saying, and it just. The schedule does not permit like yeah. was that something that they, they thought about editing a little bit and being like all right wake forest you got to be off the schedule northern illinois you're out we're going to east tennessee state like we're we're mixing this up a little bit yeah i don't, I don't know if, if 2022 is an option i, I think mm. moving forward some of those you know 23 24 25 26 some of those schedules may have some leeway mm. uh, but i think this one was pretty locked in and and you know the good thing about, you know, Clark Lee and his kind of demeanor and his competitive spirit is, is I don't think he'd be the one to change any of those schedules. You know, like mm-hmm. he, if you kind of read into Clark Lee and his history, he has the utmost respect for Wake Forest. And there's a lot of tie-ins there between he and Dave Clawson. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, you know, it was either last fall camp, <clears throat> excuse me, or this spring, uh, he had a former, uh, a few former Wake Forest players come to one of his practices to sort of tell the team, look at Wake Forest, look what they're doing, look how they're building that sort of a little bit of the model of what Vanderbilt wants to follow, not the entire model, but wants to take mm. pieces from that. So I think, you know, in some respect, you know, Vanderbilt would like to play Wake Forest and the Wake Forest of the world to say, hey, look, this is sort of the trajectory we want to go on. These are the type of opponents we want to play to see how, you know, we can match up and how we can level up against those guys. So, um, you know, I, Clark Lee is such a competitor. I, he, he, I don't think he's one to manipulate schedules and say, where can we get a win there? Where can we get a win there? Uh, it, it's, it's one of those put the ball down whenever, wherever, we'll go play whomever. Um, I just kind of think that's the type of competitor he is. Were you surprised he named Mike Wright the starting quarterback to start the year? Um, not, not particularly. I, I mean, the way Mike Wright played in the second half of 21, uh, the offseason he had, uh, the type of leader he is, um, and I think he, he delved into this at media day. I think it kind of lights a fire under the rest of the quarterback room and, and the rest of the offense. Right. And, and let's be honest, just cause Mike Wright is, is named starter on here. We sit July 20th. Doesn't mean he'll take the field as the starter August 27th at Hawaii. I mean, we've got a whole fall camp to play. Maybe they use two, two quarterbacks. Uh, maybe AJ Swan, the heralded freshman has a great fall camp and bumps his way up the depth chart. I wouldn't read too much into it. I mean, Mike Wright is a fantastic kid. He was a winner in high school at Woodward Academy, going back to Georgia high school football. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's an outstanding kid. And I, I think to his credit and to Ken Seals' credit, 
Uh, they haven't backed down from the challenge. I don't, I don't think Mike Wright's going to be complacent. I don't think Ken Seals is going to go down without a fight, so to speak. Um, so, you know, I, I, it's out there, you know, let's, let's run with it and see what happens and let's see, you know, best man wins come fall camp again, you know, starting quarterback battles. I know they get a lot of attention in August and July, but to me, it's, it's who finishes that year at quarterback, right? Not necessarily who starts it and who's able to kind of take the reins of the offense and the team and lead them to success. How much it was it on just because this was something interesting that people may have missed with Vanderbilt was just the offensive coordinator change. Right. And Ken Seals, uh, the situation that he was in, like how much of his issues last year were circumstantial versus what he actually brought to the table? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of factors there. I mean, I think uh, for those who don't know, David Rye was brought in as mm-hmm. offensive coordinator. And, and you know, somewhere in fall camp, they thought, all right, well, maybe Joey Lynch would be better suited to, to call plays. So it sort of became a <clears throat> excuse me, symbiotic relationship between David Rye and Joey Lynch, kind of working that playbook. Ken Seals had input. Um, the offensive line and the offensive line staff had input. Um, but then, you know, Ken Seals also had a finger injury, you know, that, mm-hmm. that was hard to overcome for him going into that South Carolina game. Um, so I think you throw all those things in and you got to remember that Ken Seals started, you know, in 2020, went through a winless season, uh, you know, for a coach who was let go at the end uh, as a true freshman. And, I, you know, I just think he's had a lot kind of thrown on his shoulders and his plate and to his credit has really, you know, stood up to the task at all points. So. I think you got to remember he's had some different offensive coordinators. He's had different head coaches. He's gone through a COVID season. He's gone through a winless season. Uh, and yet he still had some pretty remarkable plays and still a lot of memorable plays and put up some decent numbers. So, you know, that kid is still growing. Uh, he's still going to improve. Um, but I, I think it's kind of – I don't know if it's a blessing in disguise for the Commodores to have Mike Wright come in and, and be as successful as he was because now they got, you know, two kids back there who honestly can come in and make plays – and move the ball down the field, to me it's just a matter of who can do it right consistently, game after game, play after play, quarter after quarter, you know, to lead the Commodores to success. Um, and, and knowing Ken and knowing his spirit and his, his competitiveness, um, I don't think anything that's happened to him in the past is going to make him go in a downward trajectory. If anything, I think it's going to make him, you know, kind of improve and be a better person. Why do you think AJ Swan ultimately chose Vanderbilt? Uh, you know, I, I just think he probably saw what a lot of other commits and recruits see in Vanderbilt. You know, they have a second-year head coach. Um, they're building a new stadium. I should say a refurbished stadium, not a new stadium, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, putting a lot of money into the program, um, you know, believes in what Clark Lee is selling. Um, so I, I don't think he's a, a whole lot different, you know, than a lot of other Commodores who committed to this class who really want to be a part of something new and, and try to build – something new and a different Vanderbilt, you know, moving forward. Uh, plus, you know, I think a lot of kids, when you talk to them as recruits, uh, they love Nashville. You know, you can't get mm-hmm. too much Nashville and the way it's growing. And you look at a, a AJ Swan kid from, you know, Georgia and Metro Atlanta area, right? I mean, he's going to, he's going to know what it's like to play in a big city and, and mm-hmm. have his name up there on billboards and stuff. So uh, I think all that kind of plays into it. And I, I think he's going to relish the opportunity to come in and compete and maybe in the future be the face of Vanderbilt's offense. What would you, uh, I mean, it's hard to forecast now, but do you think Clark Lee and the new offensive staff, they strike you as a bunch that would be willing to th- roll with AJ Swan for the majority of the season if he's impressing enough and just to be like, hey, I, I like the veterans. I, we like Mike Wright. We like Ken Seals. But 
AJ is just better and he gives us a better chance to win. Would they be willing to to do that? Because that's the new thing with the transfer portal, right? Is like you have to be careful with how you navigate these quarterback rooms and how you navigate just, you know, uh, are we going to like you had the all time big version of this this spring was Dave Aranda with Gary Bohannon, where he was like, look, this guy behind you is better mm-hmm. and we're rolling with him, but I will help you get on with somebody else. And now he's at South Florida. He should start there and he's got a good opportunity. But if you roll with somebody like AJ Swan earlier than you may want to, just because he is the best player in fall camp. And you're like, I mean, he is a true freshman four-star kid from Cherokee, but man, that means we're going to, there's going to be some hurt feelings uh, here between those two. And it, you can really only have one backup and then that complicates stuff. So you think that's like part of uh, what's going on there? Uh, yeah, I mean, it could be. I mean, not to sound, you know, brainwashed with coach speak, but, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, they're going to go with the kid that gives them the best chance to win and, and mm-hmm. for the offense to be successful. And if that's A.J. Swan or Mike Ryder, Ken Seals, you know, that'll be the guy. I don't I don't think, you know, Vanderbilt's <clears throat> staff and offensive staff is going to be in the business of, you know, just appeasing egos, right? I mm-hmm. mean, they're just going to – whoever's best for the job is going to play. Uh, if that's AJ Swan three games in, it'll be AJ Swan. If AJ Swan sits this year and, and takes a red shirt, you know, that's what'll happen too. I, I don't think uh, they're going to play, you know, just throw AJ in there just because, oh, well, you know, chalk it up. We'll see what happens. Um, AJ Swan will play if they think he's the guy to get it done. I, you know, I just think that, you know, having been around this staff and been around this program the last year and a half, last two years, um, that's just kind of way they operate. You've seen that last year with other positions, mm. you know, whether it be, uh, cornerback, you know, or running back. I mean, Patrick Smith came in at running back last year and got a ton of carries. Some of that was due to injuries, uh, but the kid was performing in practice and, and fall camp and into the season, and, and he got a lot of playing time. So, um, yeah, I, I just think, again, it, it'll be a situation where if the other two guys, if Mike Wright comes in and is not getting it done and, and Ken Seals comes in and is getting it done, they'll give the ball to AJ and, and see what he can do. And if he gets it done, he'll be the guy. It should be fun. Like, that's a good problem to have is yeah. three guys that you're like, hey, we'll see what happens. They offer different stuff. And, you know, Clark Lee will have his uh, and this is a pretty solid quarterback room uh, going into fall camp. Uh, somebody who I think a lot of folks uh, may not be familiar with yet, but will be familiar with uh, is Jade McGowan. What can you tell us about him and how much of an impact he will have right away? Oh, yeah. I mean, that kid is really, really explosive. I mean, you put the ball uh, in his hands and he can do a ton of stuff. I mean, he showed a lot of that uh, in the spring game. So and that, that's really the type of, of guys that, you know, I think this staff, especially from all, all offensive perspective, are looking for is kind of these utility players, so to speak, can run the ball, can return the ball, can catch the ball. I know a lot of offenses around the country are looking for those guys. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's really kind of a guy that that really hasn't been on this roster uh, a whole lot uh, in years past. Um, so, you know, that kid comes out of South Carolina as one of the top prospects, and, and he flashed in the spring and in the spring game. So it's it's one of these kids that, you know, does he play 20 snaps a game? I don't know. But when he's in there, you know, I think look for him to get the ball, look for him to make plays, and he's the type of kid that if he does make those plays, then the coaching staff can put that on a film and say, hey, look, to these other recruits, this is what we want you to do. This is what we had this kid do in his first year. Uh, so it, definitely he's a guy and, and that Vanderbilt receiving core is pretty thin, right? So he can definitely get in there this fall and make some plays if he's able to run the right routes and do them consistently and catch the ball. He'll definitely be in there. But yeah, he's definitely a weapon 
uh, that it looks like it's going to be a part of that attack, especially week one, going week zero, I should say, going into Hawaii. <laughs> that's wild. Uh, yeah. Man, that's that's going to be the whole thing. What is their stadium situation like? Is it because they've had that whole thing? Where is it even going to be played? Yeah, it, it's it's uh, by all counts, it's going to be at their home stadium. It uh, is going to be at Aloha Stadium. Yeah, Commodores yeah. okay. are leaving. Leaving for Hawaii on August 21st, uh, going to spend basically a, a whole week there, kind of a bowl game scenario, mm-hmm. like a lot of teams do, right? So they'll, mm-hmm. they'll do, uh, I would imagine, the Luau and the Pearl Harbor visit and, and some other activities to get ready for the game, adjust to the time zone difference. Um, so it should be a big-time experience for all of them and an interesting matchup when you consider, you know, Hawaii's in their first year as a head coach. They made a bowl game last year. although Timmy Chang. Right, didn't get played, but they still uh, – they still made it, so um, you know they got a they got a team that's won some games, and and they're going to be ready for their opener too. So I'm excited to see you know how both teams look. Yeah, I I'm excited to see how that all works. Um, is there one guy that you have your eye on uh, leaving fall camp that you're like I think it outside of McGowan that you think a lot of folks are going to hear about and it's going to have a really good year uh, at Vanderbilt. Well, I, I hope it's Raymond Davis or hmm. Ray Davis as he likes to be called, who who had a great. 21 until he got hurt and broke his foot and wasn't able to finish out the year. Uh, I just think, you know, his backstory of of transferring in from Temple, you know, going through some, some childhood difficulties. Um, But he, you know, I've seen him walking around campus and he looks, you know, completely in shape, looks ready to roll. And if he comes back hundred percent healthy, he could sort of be that bell cow running back to really take pressure off these quarterbacks we've been talking mm-hmm. about. If Vanderbilt can develop a run game, that's going to be huge. Um, they really have three running backs coming back in Raymond Davis, Rocco Griffin, and Patrick Smith. That's going to be big for them if that offensive line can give those guys some room to run. And I think it starts with Raymond Davis. If he's able to have a breakout season and stay healthy and play the majority of the year, uh, I think that could be huge for the Vanderbilt offense. So I, I'm really hoping for him, really hoping he plays you know, the majority of snaps for the Commodores and has a big year. Um, you know, and then defensively, uh, I'm ready to see what Dericky Wright can do. Uh, he was a kid that was in the transfer portal for a little bit over the summer, uh, went through some family trauma uh, last couple years, uh, but he's back in the fold, uh, should be eligible to play kind of this this hybrid linebacker defensive end position they like to run. Extremely talented young man, has a good head on his shoulders. Uh, so I'm hoping he gets a shot to make some plays this fall uh, from for, for Dericky Wright. There you go. Chad Bishop, this has been great. How do the good folks keep up with your work this week and everything going forward? Yep, vucommodores.com. Just uh, visit that site often. And uh, on Twitter, it's at Mr. Chad Bishop and uh, a lot of updates all over the place. There you go. Chad, thank you so much. It was great connecting, man. And uh, hail Parkview. Hey, go Brian. All right, y'all. That'll do it for the Thursday, July 21st, 2022 edition here on the Chase Must Podcast. Thank you again to all of my awesome guests for coming on today's edition of the program. And thank you, the listener, for making the Chase Must Podcast part of your daily listen. Uh, However, and wherever you listen to this very program, I greatly appreciate it. And uh, all the good folks over here at Blue Wire appreciate it. So uh, make sure you're locked in on YouTube, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Like and subscribe, all that good stuff. And of course, leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you've not already done so. Helps other people find the show and it helps this very show continue to grow. Another jam-packed episode for you guys tomorrow. Uh, A lot of content still coming down the pike this week here on the program. So watch out for that. But yeah just look out for that all that good stuff thank you as always for your support and uh i'll talk to y'all tomorrow have yourself a great rest of your thursday everybody
Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.